You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Knock, knock. Who's there? Elder Sean, and I would like to talk to you about Jesus Christ. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, Pastor of Redemption Church, located in the Des Moines Metro. Thanks for tuning in to another Cornfield Theology. We appreciate you listening. You can check us out at cornfieldtheology.com, where you can check out all of the podcasts that we've recorded, in addition to some blogs that are on there as well, and a bunch of resources that uh, we find, uh, find to be helpful. So with me today, well, before I get to that, who's with me today? Logan and Rob. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, right? A lot of you are listening there. Give us five stars. Five stars is a good thing. You can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, and all the relevant outlets. Also, be fo- be sure to follow us on Facebook. You can follow all the Cornfield Theology stuff when you go to Redemption Hill on Facebook. And we post it all there, as well as Instagram and Twitter. So... Those are all... We try to be in all the places, right, Logan? Yeah, as best as we can. That's what the kids do, right? Yeah, them. Them. You're the kid. I mean, yeah, I know I'm the kid, but I don't go on socials. <sighs> You're yeah. doing better than I am. Am I? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And and our friend here, Rob, Rob Danielson, how you doing? Good. Talk about someone who's not on social media. That's right. That is this guy right here. <laughs> you don't school. have an Instagram? <laughs> nope. You're not on TikTok? I thought I saw nope. you on TikTok. Not on doing TikTok. Doing a dance? No, no way. It's funny. I tagged you both in something on Facebook today. Um, just excited about doing this podcast, which mm-hmm. we'll get into the details here in a moment. But uh, I tagged Rob, and I'm like, he'll never see that. Not once. <laughs> he doesn't even know that I tagged True him. that. Nope. I am not. Well, fellas, I am stoked about this particular podcast uh, because it's a on a topic that we've been dialoguing about for quite a while. We've been engaging this topic personally as individuals, right? It, you know, Logan, you've been thinking about it on your own. Rob, you've been thinking about it on your own. I have as well. But as we've come together, we've really trying to, we really want to bring some clarity about Mormonism. Hence the knock, knock on your door intro, right? right? Who hasn't had that? Uh, have you had that since you moved to Iowa? Uh, yes, I did. And it was when Brooks was still with uh, me as a roommate. Yeah. I uh, couldn't talk, but we re- invited them back. And they had to bring, it was like three of them to two of us. Oh, yeah. It was an interesting situation. And then, have you had it on your door, the the knock-knock? No, uh, actually, we haven't had uh, people come to our door here. Okay. Um, But I have had some conversations with uh, Mormons in the past. Right, right. Surprisingly enough, it was actually women missionaries that knocked on my door. Usually Uh, it's men. Were they Jehovah Witness? No, they were Mormon. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, because of where we live, they uh, don't dare to come out on the country road. Um, but when we were living in Burnsville, quick story, um, I was in my garage. My garage was up one day. I was working in the garage, and it was nice out. And here come two guys with white shirts with black ties on. And I know, I, and they got the tag. And I'm like, all right, here we go. That's a t- I didn't have anything going on. It was my off day. And my wife looks out, and um, she sees them coming up the driveway. She's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Two and a half hours later, she's like, honey, it's time for dinner. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. And so I'm just engaging these guys and just learning more about Mormonism and that this is not my first encounter with Mormons. That wasn't. And I've had many in the past. Almost became Mormon. 
when I was a teenager. Maybe I'll share that story throughout this this conversation. But I think it's fair to say that Mormons are very active in missions. Oh, yeah. And so we've all encountered Mormon missionaries um, in our lifetime. And what I'm finding more and more, especially with where we live, um, and there's a backstory to why there's so many Mormons in this area, especially in the Des Moines metro. And so just talking with you guys and other people, people have Mormon neighbors, Mormon friends, Mormon coworkers, um, and they're talking about their faith and God. And I think Christians, mm-hmm. when I say Christians, I'm thinking Orthodox, Orthodox and historic Christianity. And what do we believe throughout centuries? And if you hold like those doctrines of truth, beginning with Nicaea and moving forward, uh, we have to think well about uh, Mormons, uh, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, do we believe in the same thing? I think that's a fair question. Um, Logan and I, you can tell some, some of this story, but I'll introduce it. Uh, about a month ago now? I think about around a month, month and a half. So, so here's what happened. Somebody friended me on Facebook. And I'm like, who's this? Who's this? Who's this guy? I don't know him. And I'm like, oh, he's the local Mormon elder missionary guy. Ooh. I'll friend him. Ding. Press the button. We're friends. I don't know. Maybe like a month later, he sends me a video with his co-elder, co-partner in missions. And he's like, hey, we see that you're a pastor. We would love to get together sometime. And, you know, it was a nice video on Facebook Messenger or whatever, you know. If you ever met a more, they're the kindest people, right? Very kind. Very super, super kind people. And I'm like, honey, do I take the bait? And she's like, come on, honey, you mean really? And the other thing, I'm like, all right, I'm taking the bait. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> of course you are. So I, uh, I, I, we meet with them at a cafe in town. I bring Logan into it as well. And uh, to, to kickstart this conversation, share a little bit about the things we talked about, beginning with... Don't get into all the theology, but just help 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 the, the listener understand why we're now doing this podcast. What came what came really really clear? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that came really clear was just their general idea of what salvation is and how we become saved. Because um, <clears throat> part of this conversation was just to get to know their beliefs more and really parse out those distinctions. Because they still, they'll say they're Christians. Yeah, they will say they're Christians. Because yeah. um, they, you know the. Church of Jesus Christ, so of, yeah. you know, Latter Day Saints, so Christ, it's kind Christian. of in the name, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just that that difference in uh, salvation, one that to them everyone is saved, but to get to the next step, to get to that exaltation, yeah, yeah. you then have to do those. Works. Let's let's table that because we're gonna get to the theology real quick here. But yeah. I think the I think one of the one of the results of the conversation is one. Not only do we meet the, meet some of the nicest nicest people in our area, they were truly yeah. kind individuals. But I remember at the end of our conversation, I'd asked him some pointed questions about doctrine, namely around the Trinity and the mm. deity of Christ. And, and, I, and I laid out what they just told me. And I said, this is what historic Christianity says. Are you saying that we disagree on areas like the Trinity, the deity of Christ? And he said, yes, we absolutely disagree. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I've had a conversation with a Mormon. And I said this to him. I'm like, thank you for being intellectually honest with me because now we can actually talk more about the particulars now that we have defined terms which you're a big you're big in defining terms right Right. and so i was really grateful for that conversation and it kind of it's we rob and i have been talking about this topic for a while already and um frankly i was just thankful and so they they went along their way and then 
we kind of collaborated and kind of got together. So Mormonism, where do you want to begin, guys? Do you want to go historical? Well, go ahead. If I mean, if we want to hold you know shelf this for a little bit, um, yeah. You touched on do they believe in the same you know with with regard to the Trinity? Yeah. Did he expand on that on what they believed? Yeah, he did. Um, they don't believe in the classic definition of the Trinity. I think it was the three gods, right? Yeah, yeah. So they would believe that God the Father is a separate God from God right. the Son, who is a separate God from God. So uh, they the wouldn't Holy hold Spirit. three persons, one nature, Orthodox Christianity. Um, they're, they're three distinct beings. So that would be tritheism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, they have an infinite amount of gods. Right. So. Right. Right. And so. So they're polytheistic. I don't know if they would say it like that, but. They, they probably wouldn't say it that way, but they yeah. would admit that there are a lot of gods out there. Yeah, they don't want to get tied to Hinduism, you know, where polytheism is just, you know, it runs rapid. Yeah. What what I've found interesting is that they have they have the belief that God, the Father, Jesus, mm-hmm. and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit right. um, are three separate gods. But mm-hmm. actually, even in the Book of Mormon, there are sections where it says God, the Father, and Jesus are one. Mm-hmm. And it contradicts what they believe. Yeah, and I think that's one of the... Listen, every religion has to work through thorny passages of their of their sacred texts, right? Mm. As, as Orthodox Christians, there are certain things that we believe that we're like, man, that's a hard one. we got to wrestle with that. Let's just be honest about that. Yeah. What, what I find um, interesting is not the right word. Frustrating is not the right word. Somewhere between interesting and frustrating is like, it's everywhere in Mormon theology. And it seems like it's ever evolving and ever changing. I don't know if that's the right way to think about it, but no, that's yeah. what I see on the outside. Yeah, you have prophets that right. have made a declaration. It's their own pope. It's their own version of a papal decree. Yep. You know, and Pope Francis today could say something that contradicts Pope John Paul II. Exactly. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. Are they both right? Well, he didn't yeah. speak it from from Paul's seat, so it's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I find interesting is also is that they say that the book of mormon is the most uh, correct me if i'm authoritative wrong, uh, not necessarily authoritative but also correct oh okay. without error okay yeah yet there have been over 3900 errors found and and contradictions just alone in what they say they believe and what the book says so let's let's start with that what what is mormonism let's let's just we've talked a little bit about it let's bring some more nuance to it uh, mormonism 1830 founded by their first prophet joseph smith right mm-hmm. i think he was in western new york or something like that i think the history of like joseph smith from our perspective is really sketchy i mean that's what the historical data shows us yeah we're not going to get into the history of joseph smith but and if i had if i had a mormon elder here i would ask him to be like help help me understand <laughs> Joseph. I don't think there's a massive hit job in society against Joseph Smith where this is big conspiracy going on to paint him in a horrible way. I think the facts are the facts and it's not looking good for Joseph Smith. Anyways, I digress. Mormonism is founded. It begins to trek westward along with the rest of the United States, right? And so it goes into Illinois and then some people stay there. And I think it's Illinois and Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. Navajo, Navajo, Navo, Navo. Yeah. Thank you. It's down on the Southeast corner of Iowa, across the, across the border into Illinois. Into it's Illinois. Right there. Thank yeah. you. And then some people ultimately make their way to Utah. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brigham Young is like the guy when they get to Utah, he's in charge. I think it was a governor. I mean, the Mormons have a university named after him where every Mormon goes to school for college. And it's a, I think it's a pretty good university from what I can tell in terms of academics. So, um, but not everyone goes. And so here in our location, kind of in the western part of Des Moines Metro, uh, there tends to be a lot of Mormons. Um, some people stayed here. They're like, hey, we like Iowa. You know, and they're like, surprising. Surprising. Look at those cornfields. I can see the sunset. This is pretty amazing. Talking up my state. This cornfield, it's not knee high by 4th of July. It's like over my head. This <laughs> soil's really good. I can make a living here. And some, some folks stay. And so that happens all throughout, you know, kind of their path on the way to Salt Lake City and other parts of Utah. And so Mormonism now has, uh, last checked, 16, bil- uh, 16 million, not billion. That'd be <laughs> more than they've taken not- over the world. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's on another one of their planets. I don't know. 16 million people worldwide. I, I got to tell you guys, I've traveled all around the world and almost everywhere I've gone, and usually in an urban context, I run into Mormons. Did you, you said you've been to Afghanistan before, right? Yeah. Was there Mormons? Didn't see Mormons there. That'd be the one exception. But when I was in uh, Dominican Republic, when I was in Uganda, when I was in Zambia, uh, when I, when we went to um, Romania, mm. I mean, I just like, it's like, are they following me? Uh, do I got a chip in my hand? And they're like a tracking beaker. You're on their top list of yeah, like, people the, to convert. The, the hit list to convert. So there's a lot of Mormons, right? And so let's just be honest with that. They have um, a system in place where uh, as kids get older, they have to do two years of missionary work that is baked into the cake for Mormonism. Not required, but heavily implied that like, you should definitely do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's like like parenting sometimes. Listen, I'm not telling you you have to do that, but there's going to be consequences if you don't. <laughs> well, one of the videos, Rob, that you sent me, like the guy was talking about how like even the girls would be taught like don't marry anyone unless they're returned to mis- missionary. So, right, it's like it's not required, but yeah, I'm somewhat still have a heavy hand, I think. So also there are there are other texts. So Mormons have the Bible. Right. What else do they have, Rob? Uh, well, they have their Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon, yep. And then they have the Doctrine and Covenants. Doctrine and Covenants. And the Pearl of Great Price. Pearl of Great Price, yep. And and a lot of the other... Um, losing my train of thought. No, that's right. They have... Uh, they have like lot, commentaries. Yeah. I believe they have like some... Do they have like a, the Catholic version of encyclicals and... Papals and uh, like the prophet writes something and all of a sudden it becomes enshrined in, in their uh, ancient documents or sacred documents. Yep. Let me look this up real quick. Because I think, I think as you're looking that up, one of the points to be made is, you know, we are Orthodox Christianity Christians and we have 66 books that comprise of the Protestant Bible. Catholics have more. They get the Apocrypha, Pseudepigrapha, things like that. And uh, Mormons kind of out—they outpace the Catholics. <laughs> They're like, we see More. your, we see all your books, we raise you. And so um, there are a lot of ancient texts with Mormonism. Yep. The the other thing that I was thinking of is the General Conference. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, when yeah. they're when the presidents or the prophets speak there, I mean that holds a lot of authority as yeah. well. Yep. So there's a ton. Some of you know, we have this the whole story of Mormonism with the plates of Nephi. We're not going to get into all of that uh, necessarily, but there are a legitimate. When I say legitimate, I mean like a very present 
um, religious sect within society in America in particular and then worldwide as well. Um, like we said earlier, most Mormons claim fidelity with historic and Orthodox Christianity. We're going to explore this claim in a little bit because that's really important. Uh, this is where I learned a lot from our Mormon friends mm -hmm. about how they explained what they call the Restoration Movement. We'll get to that. Um, and as we mentioned, all almost all more missionaries, you know, do the do the two years two year stint. So let's ask this question, Rob. Let me give it to you straight. You ready? Can you I'll handle try. the truth? I, we'll see. You can handle the truth. You never the watched truth? it. Yeah, this is a dramatic pause for effect. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was born in '96, so. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? I feel like what is that the movie? Idiom? No. <sighs> All right. So not the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. I just like disappointing you. <laughs> is that what your life goal is these days? Don't worry, Sean. I got your back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, make video game references you don't know. Oh, please don't. <laughs> bore me and everyone who listens. All right, Rob. Here's the direct question. Are Mormons Christian? No. All right. And that's that's what we want to explore right now. This particular claim that they do make, um, Mormons are Christians, we believe that's not true, mm -hmm. and then it's a good question to ask. So they have, like we already said, they have more um, texts than we do. Um, they don't hold with orthodox and historic teachings of Christianity. So we would say, hey, look at the Nicene Creed, kind of a big deal, 325. There were fractions within the Christian church at the time, mm -hmm. and Constantine was the emperor, and he gets all the people with funny hats on called, I don't know if they're all called bishops, but um, yeah. some of them were. And they're yeah. like, all the theologians, they're like, hey, get together, sort this out because we got a problem. And so we have the Nicene Creed for that. And then later we have the Nicene Constantinopian Creed. After that, we have some other creeds that come into play that help clarify what is what does the Bible say about God right, and about um who God is and what that means for us. So we have all these creeds that just build upon one another, which is not a surprise is how theology works. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you're looking at church history, a lot of that stuff doesn't get defined because the questions weren't asked yet. Totally. Totally. Like I, we're going to do a podcast um, in the future, in the near future on justification. And I think, I think Orthodox Christians, when I say Orthodox, I don't mean the Orthodox church. I mean us Orthodox historic Christianity. Uh, we're doing it on justification because you'd be surprised to realize that particular doctrine doesn't really gain all the strength in terms of its theological depth until the Reformation. Technically, St. Anselm before that, about 500 years, but really it took Luther. So we're not, we're not shocked that you know, uh, historical theology happens, and so with that comes the clarity of what the Trinity is, what the deity of Christ is, what does grace alone mean, and all these things. But what does the Mormon Church do with that? Well, that's the thing. Let's get into the Restoration Movement. Have you guys studied their view of Restoration? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I only have the conversation we actually had with yeah. the Mormons. Rob, go ahead and kick that one off. What, what, when they say, hey, we believe that the Mormon church is basically restoring what was lost, um, what do they mean by that? Well, they they believe there was a great apostasy of, of the church mm -hmm. and that a lot of, uh, I don't know the exact wording they may say, but basically there are simple and yet important parts of the Bible that... Mm -hmm went missing yeah. and and therefore the bible that we have today flawed. may not it yeah. may yeah maybe flawed so a lot of times they'll say they will 
believe in the Bible um, to the point M. So far as it's correctly translated. Right. Okay. Which is a really big asterisk. Yeah, totally. Here's the other part of the restoration movement that, from my understanding, is that there's this apostasy apostasy took place and, you know, Joseph Smith comes around and uh, Mormonism evolves and they're trying to get back to the New Testament, basically. What things went awry. And I believe they believe it went awry, like as soon as the apostles died. Correct. Like it died and then boom, apostasy. It's like, yeah, it's like somebody coughed and they're like, whoa, that changed quickly. And we wouldn't hold that, obviously. But that's what—that's how they—they they would say they're the more pure church or understanding mm. of, you know, Christianity or whatever. And so when we get to things like the Trinity, the deity of Christ, and it's all being sorted out with confessions and creeds and different different writings, they're like, no, 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 no. That—that's part of the apostasy. That's part of where where things went wrong. You actually don't have a correct understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. He isn't three persons, one nature. It's you know, three, three gods, as we said earlier. And so their movement is restoring again, what was lost. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting. You could, you could pull out a piece of scripture from the Bible and read it. And they're like, well, that's your interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's or, actually or not the, an interpretation. Yeah. I'm just reading it. Or you just have the, uh, the cop out of it was like, well, it's only accurate as far as it's translated. So that must be a bad translation. Section. Which like, yeah, I know a little Greek. So there's that. Well, well, and, your yeah. interpretation's wrong. And, I, and I've heard that. They're like, yeah. well, look, if, if you don't like the tra- the uh, interpretation, lo- study Greek and go read the actual original text. Yeah, I did. And, and, yeah. and, and reinterpret. Yeah, and you're still make, wrong, by the way. Make a better one. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to break it to you, buddy. Did a lot of Greek and Hebrew and theological French and all the other languages. like, yeah, I know. And you're still missing it. Yep. So that line doesn't work on me. But... uh they're they're attempting to reclaim what they think was lost and so that's what we mean by restoration correct yep. anything else you guys want to add to that in terms of because i that that was really clarifying for me mm. in terms of how they begin to approach their own theology because they're actually going to start off with like a fresh slate almost yeah it's like okay all that all that that took place between you know the time the last apostle died in you know 1830 we're just gonna push that aside <laughs> We don't need to contend with that. We got something better and new. And yeah. uh, on the one hand, and I don't want to sound like, I don't want to have a moment where it's like, you're calling Mormons brilliant. It's kind of a, br- a brilliant move. <laughs> if you just wanted to start something new, like, no, 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 all that, all that was horrible. We're going to, I mean, we're going to start over. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, sects or I'm going to just say yeah. cults that, yep. that do that. So it's pretty common. Hey, before we get into these particular doctrines we'll talk about the trinity and, and then the deity of christ and grace and things like that um is it fair to say mormonism is a cult now we're not trying to be pejorative we're just trying to be clear is mormonism a cult i mean for for all yeah i would say from my perspective on a technical level it's, it's a christian yes. cult it's a christian cult yeah because a, a cult is by definition a very small like splinter cell that like gets rid off. of the old yeah. you know orthodoxy right it, it's not a clarifying of the the current or old orthodoxy it's a complete dismissal of it which makes it more cultish right without a doubt mm-hmm. now if you're a mormon and you're listening to this i hope you don't bristle at that we're just trying to we're just trying to teach this 
the best we can from our perspective as those who hold to the Orthodox Christianity, mm -hmm. um, going back to, the, you know, you know, right after the last apostle died. Um, we think there were good people who lived who were teaching really well and teaching faithfully the scriptures. So get, let's get into some theology, guys. You ready for it? Yeah. Got to put your big boy pants on. I'm a big kid now. Good. Trinity. <laughs> uh, the Bible says there's only um, one God in all existence. That does take us back to, say, Deuteronomy 6. We got the Shema. But we believe there's a three in one um Logan, that's not what they believe. Do you recall in our conversation uh, how they articulated their their view of the non-Trinity? Yeah, absolutely. Of God in general. Yeah, so when it comes to God, um, they, they their belief is that God the Father used to be a man on his own separate planet that through works righteousness, through, the, through obedience, um, was exalted. Mm-hmm. And became a god, right? And then we are all literally God's children, who are essentially like gods in embryo. That through the path of obedience, uh, we can also ascend to be gods okay. of our own universe. And then God the Father, of course, had his own father who was a god or a man that became a god. Right. Um, and so they just have this this view of gods that stems really from man exalting becoming right. exalted so i mentioned previously like they believe everyone is saved but that's not the end of the story for them you have to do stuff you have to do more so that you can be exalted and go to like mm -hmm. the highest heaven and become a god right right so they would not hold like we said earlier to the trinity as we understand it correct they would not no. anything you want to add to what he his explanation of their non-view of the Trinity, basically. Yeah, I mean, they try and come up with uh, their supporting arguments from the Bible, mm -hmm. um, where it talks, where Jesus, I think it's in Matthew, where Jesus talks about uh, all you know, other gods. Mm -hmm. Lowercase g. Yep. Yeah. And it was referring back to uh, an Old Testament book, right? When it was talking about judges. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. And, and they're referring that as an example. Of acknowledging multiple gods right like the claim that there's multiple gods throughout all time has always been there yeah like right. you go to israel and it's like you have various religions that they're surrounded by and they're all serving their own quote gods like in terms of trying to explain what's going on like that's always there yeah i think i mean if we really go to the scriptures it recognizes that there's that's gods, what I'm saying. like that, baal and but they're false gods correct they're like they're just petty things playing at god yeah, they're not the one true God. Yeah, any particular texts that you're trying to pull from, Rob? Well, you know they they say you know what you've been told during your meetings with them yeah. about that there's multiple gods. But I want to read something, and, and I want you guys to tell me what do you think it says. Yeah. So this is uh, Alma eleven thirty eight from the Book of Mormon. From the Book of Mormon, and uh, I've read that through and through. And I think I'm going to read through uh, eleven forty. Okay. Story time with Rob. Yes. Everyone, thanks for listening to Cornfield Theology. <laughs> I'm going to grab my tea. We would like you to sit back, relax, and listen to the sweet, sweet words from Rob Danielson. And and I apologize if I butcher the names. <laughs> <laughs> now, Zerum, or Zerum, saith again unto him, Is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And Amalek said unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth, and all things which in them are. 
He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And he shall come into the world to redeem his people. He shall take upon him the transgressions of those who believe on his name. And these are they that shall have eternal life. And salvation cometh to none else. So back on 1139, yea, he is the very eternal father of heaven Mm -hmm. and of earth. Um as far as the right. Son of God and the Eternal Father. Right. So you're asking, what's the interpretation of that? Yeah, what does that mean? Man, it sounds like to me that all things hinge on the one first. And, and which was that? 1138 Book of Mormon too. to, to yeah. uh, 1139 in Alma. Look at you guys, Book of Mormon scholars. Well, So he asked the question, is the Son of God the very says, Eternal Father? And Amalek said unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and earth. Hmm. So the question is, where is the Son and the Spirit in that? I I think what it's saying. So if they see them as distinct beings, why does it say that the Son is the eternal Father? So in this sense, it is saying that God the Father and the Son are one. Are one, yeah. And not separate. But there's other texts that that point to the exact opposite, and even even talking with our Mormon, you know, missionary, people, yeah, they're like, nah, they're not the same. They're not the same. All right, let me let me just uh, throw. I got a couple more. If yeah, you, go for if it. If you're willing to work with me, uh, Mosiah or Mosiah, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Yeah, Fifteen one through four. So let me see if I can find that real quick. Mosiah, I think okay. so. And this is another one that pertains to the Trinity. Or their, well, it, their doctrine of the Trinity. Or yeah, their, their it non-doctrine ha, it, of the Trinity. It has a me. Trinitarian view okay. in, in the in the wording. So and, that, and that's as you're looking that up, that's just one of the uh, you know, contradictions we were talking about early earlier with Mormonism. It's almost like what is your theology? So we hear that we we hear, you know, Mormon missionaries say one thing and then we go to passages like that. It's like you almost you want you don't want to be pigeonholed, you want to have it both ways. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like, you know, we, we kind of like this Trinitarian thing because we get to be a part of the big club. But. Oh, interesting. Okay. That? So I got curious as to their interpretation of the last text. Uh, go for it. Do you want to hear their interpretation? Yeah. Yes. So they say that Jesus is sometimes called the eternal father of the heaven and earth because he's the one that created the heaven and, heavens and earth. Uh, and they point to Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Interesting. Yes. So explain that one more time. So typically, Eternal Father is speaking of God the Father, not God the Son. Yeah. They were arguing in this text that that title is being used of God the Son because he created the earth. Huh. And they, and they would go to, they would say Jesus is created, or the Son is created. Right. Right. So they would use Bible texts that they interpret falsely. Um, first, uh, no, uh, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, the firstborn of all creation. And so, okay, I see what they're trying. To, I see what they're trying to do theologically there. Yeah, because you, you, I mean, you got to remember, like, when you become exalted, you go and you can like you can form your own planet. So yeah. to them, it's not wild that Jesus would create this planet. Can we, can we pause for a moment? How cool would it be to create your own planet, dude? I would suck. Would you? Oh yeah. I mean, you might suck. I, would you have fun though? I mean, wouldn't that be, be so many floods? Really <laughs> scary. Be like Sim City for me. Be like. Oh, yeah. I've killed uh, it would, so it would many be... people in SimCity. Yeah. 
I would be the most <laughs> wrathful god. I'd be like, I told you to do mm. <laughs> starting over. <laughs> Our god has like, so much grace. Where's that flood? Yeah, were you like Thanos? Where's the like, flood button? Not meteors this time. It's like, can you get a snap of the finger and Thanos wipes half of them off? Yeah, of the universe. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd be a terrible god. Okay, so it's a good thing. Even though I like SimCity and I like building things, probably the even though I like that, it's probably best that we are not the ones creating planets. No. All right, Rob, what do you got next? All right, Mosaic. Mosiah is what I'm going to say. It is. I'm not sure if that's Just say correct. Just confidence, man. Uh, fifteen, chapter fifteen, okay. verses one. Uh, I'm going to start in verse one. And I may go to verse four. All right. So I'm going to kind of jump down a little bit. I would, uh, let's see, understand that God himself shall come down among the children of men. Mm-hmm. said God himself will come down and shall redeem his people. And because he dwelleth in, in flesh, he shall be called the son of God. And having subjected the, the flesh to the will of the father, being the father and the son, the father because he was conceived by the power of God and the Son because of Man. the flesh, yeah. thus becoming the Father and Son. Interesting text there. Yeah. It's almost like you have another deity in play who's created the Father and the Son. Yeah. Wow. They, they have an infinite amount. The God the Father has a dad. Yeah. Just like you have a dad, dude. Come on. So on, on verse 4, it finishes, and they are one God, yea, the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth. Yeah, yeah. That is not orthodox. No, but it's also just sort of contradicting the idea that there's like God the Father and God the Son are yeah. separate. Yeah. And they are one God, yea. I mean, I'm sure they have their interpretation, but yeah, that's confusing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some, you know, Mormon scholar can be like, no, 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 no. It's well, it, well, it's interesting because it's not the plain reading of the text, right? And so people have, uh, if if you were to look this up, uh, yeah. like the CES letter, yeah, someone addressed these very verses to the uh, CES. It's the um, the the Church Educational System. I okay. think something That's like what that. CES means. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. or society maybe. Oh something and uh they never they acknowledge that they received the questions but they never they never responded okay yeah, yeah. remember we were talking about that yeah yeah i do think we need to tread it a little bit carefully here i just was thinking about this yeah because just as we're kind of criticizing their text as being contradictory to their beliefs like people do the same with yeah, ours that's fair so i just true. wanted to put that out there no very that's true. fair but i think we are rightly responding at the very least there's a lot of confusion yeah I mean, if we're taking like the most gracious, patient way to think about it, it's like, I'm confused. I picked up their, their book of Mormon for the first time and I'm scratching my head because things tend are not making, making sense here. Yeah. But I think in light of what, what we've read, what you guys have read and the conversations we have had, the intellectual honesty that we had from our um, Mormon friends, mm-hmm. uh, they said, yeah, we don't believe the same in the same yeah. understanding of God. They don't have a Trinitarian view of God. What would be your your text for rebutting the idea that there are multiple gods just in general? Well, uh, as in like uh, a true etern- like true gods? Yeah. I mean, where would I go? I'd go to the, I mentioned earlier the Shema. Right. You go to Deuteronomy 6. Oh, hero Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one. So uh, uh, Christianity is, in a sense, you know, monolithic, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Jude- Jews will disagree in light of you know, Christ, and I get, I get that. But um, that that'd be the first text that I go to. I'm gonna cheat and use the notes. 
Oh, okay. I really love we have notes. We have notes. <laughs> no, I mean we off the cuff, one hundred percent of the time. Totally. I do love Isaiah forty-five five. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. Yeah. Like big G, talking yeah, about yeah. big G. Yeah. Like there's little gods, there's these fake false gods, but he's saying there is no actual other god yeah. besides me. Yeah, absolutely. And then we get into, I mean, we could be here all day. We did a podcast on the Trinity, so here's a plug, right? If you want to learn more about the Trinity, I think we did two podcasts specifically on the Trinity. Um, you can go to cornfieldtheology.com and you can hear what a biblical uh, argument for the Trinity from there. Anything else on the Trinity before we move to the, to Christ himself? Going, going, gone. All right. The deity of Christ. That was a baseball reference. Good, good job, Logan. Proud of you, man. Thanks. Growing up in the world. Kudos. All right. The Bible says Jesus is divine um, and fully human, fully divine. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I think it's important here. This is what I got in with when we were talking to Mormons. So we can use the same words but mean different things. Okay. I want you to I want you to hit that point home. Okay. Explain why that's important. Okay. Because this this is going to get into like how do we help you know folks who are listening to respond to Mormons. It comes down to defining terms. I thought you were going to tell me like be quiet you're talking too much. <laughs> I need you to just <laughs> shut. <laughs> no, all right. So I'm really big on terms. You know that from our conversations and the reason it's especially true with Mormons is that we will use the same terminology and mean completely different things. Correct. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we talk about Jesus being in this case divine. Mm-hmm. They also believe that Jesus is divine, but what we what? mean and what they mean are different. <laughs> We've explored this already. Like Jesus is the literal son of the mm-hmm. eternal father. Mm-hmm. Like as in, like was his spirit child and we are also the spirit child. So like Jesus is literally our brother. We have mm-hmm. the same literal dad. When we're talking about Jesus' divinity in Orthodox Christianity, we're talking about him being that one true God that we just mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. Like him being divine is interwoven with with the Trinity. Yeah. Um, that idea that there is three persons, but only one God. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about Jesus' divinity, it's in that context rather than being another God to God the Father. Right. And, and Mormon theology states that Jesus created, and like you said, Logan, one of God's spirit children. So right. Jesus is not eternal. Right. And and they do they do go to certain texts in the New Testament um, to make their argument. I just think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, wrong in terms of just general interpretation and not in step with what I would say, what is church history. Uh, Rob, on the DT Christ, kind of thing you want to add on that particular point? Some, some distinctions? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where to start? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they, so they they will acknowledge uh, that there may be some differences, but they don't feel that those differences are significant. Weight, significant. Okay. Um, but one of the differences is that he is the the brother of of Satan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's in allow, Mormon theology. I mean, just allow that yeah. to sink in as a Christian. Like, could you ever imagine be like? The Savior, Son of God, is the brother of... It's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and they, they won't... Like, if you, if we try to have that conversation with mm-hmm. them, it, it seems like they they just they just don't think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. They still think it's the same Jesus. Right. Because it's the same Jesus that died on the cross. Right. It's, and, and other things that they will refer to. 
but then when we when you bring up well Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is the yep. Michael the Archangel right mm-hmm. is that the same Jesus that you're referring to well no so that's when you can see there's there's differences there it's not the same Jesus I am I was thinking of an analogy it's almost like saying hey guys I'm gonna go out and get some five guy burgers mm-hmm. and I come back and I've got the five guys burger and then I bring out your burgers but I stopped at McDonald's for you and Burger King for you mm-hmm. now would you say that's a five guys burger that's no. heresy Patrick no. <laughs> I mean it's a burger yeah yeah but it's not the same burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, so I, I don't. So there's clear differences. And yeah. that's the bottom line. What would, you see, what would you say is like why him being brother to Lucifer is like a big problem? Well, one, uh, the son of God is eternal. Right. That'd be the first thing. Um, and so to place Lucifer on the same family line I guess is Jesus puts Lucifer in a place that he does not belong mm-hmm. and it all but it also lowers Jesus to a created and that's a good that's, yeah. that's a great point yeah it's lowering Jesus and it's almost exalting Lucifer to a spite space that he's not supposed to be and, and I think if we see how this plays out practically you know in the Christian life is like we believe that Jesus has won the day not only for the state of our souls but also when he will come back and does Lucifer have a chance? No. no. I mean, it's going to be a very one-sided game. Yeah, totally. I mean, coming back in the clouds, robe dipped in blood, white horse, like, man. And, like, you know, CNN's going to be like, hey, look at that. And like, ah, we tried to tell you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's coming back. <laughs> what's what's going on? What's this phenomenon? It's Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. So uh, anything to add on the Trinity before moving on to the next theological distinction no nothing on the trinity all right or the deity or the dt excuse me trinity dt I got your back hey, thanks man all right grace grace alone now mm-hmm. in terms of salvation in terms of how a person is made right with god mm-hmm. this is especially critical yeah now this is something i learned logan yeah is that we're all saved yep uh, in mormon theology yes sir and, uh, There's I'm, a South Park episode where they all go to hell and someone reads out like a little note thing and be like, oh, the Mormons were right. That is inaccurate. <laughs> they would have all been saved. Uh, I don't think I've watched South Park in 20 I years. I only know that. <laughs> a video somewhere? Yeah, it was just a video I saw online. Yeah. Or... Now, you can't see it but uh, on this podcast, but yeah, showing yeah. you guys, here is a breakdown of the different... Heavens. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know them. So we're all saved, and that's actually a really good visual. Um, could you send it to me, and I'll put it maybe in our notes Yeah, for it. Thank you. Um, we're all saved, and but there is a place. Do they call it hell? Yeah. They call it, well, they actually call it outer darkness. Outer Ooh. darkness. Okay. Oh, that's cooler. It seems like it's very platonic all of a sudden. But that sounds cooler. Inner light, outer darkness. Okay. We'll go with it. Outer darkness. All right. And um, who can go to outer darkness? Well, Satan for one. Satan for one. The angels that rebelled with him. Yep. Okay. And who else? This is really important because it's going to have massive implications. It's the it's the Mormons who leave the church. Apostate, yeah. Apostate yeah. Mormons, yeah. Which, we're, we're, this was, here's what's gonna, how this is going to go down. We're going to have to do a part two podcast here. 
because yeah. we're just gonna get through theology, then we'll reboot and then do number two. And here's the, here's one of the previews to that. That's a very controlling theology. Very controlling. It makes you very fearful to leave. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, if I leave, not only am I gonna lose my family, my relationships, I'm gonna be completely cut off from 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 the spiritual community, but also, I'm one of the few who's going into outer darkness. Yeah. And can can I just break down? Yeah, yeah, go for it, real quick? Yeah. So just so people know, so we've gone over outer darkness. The the reason we say everyone is saved is because there's three levels of heaven yeah. in Mormon. Good theology. clarification here. Yeah. So like we say, you know, oh Christians go to heaven. Well, they believe everyone's going to heaven besides the apostate Mormons, Satan and the his uh, angels that uh, went with him. Yep. Um, but there is the telestial kingdom telestial kingdom which is the lowest that's where like the worst of the worst go that's where i would go if i was a mormon that no well no 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 no, no, no. this is this is kind of a if you don't mind this is kind of a a breakdown of who gets that one and and my my understanding is joseph smith said that even this level of heaven is so glorious that you'd want to almost commit suicide to do that to go that's pretty intense but it's the people who are dishonest, liars, sorcerers, adulterers, and warmongers. Hitler goes there. Okay. So I, I'm not bunking up with Hitler. No. Got it. Okay. Unless you're a warmonger. Are you a war hawk? Uh, uh, just joking. My politics? Yeah, keep politics out of it. Table that. What do you believe about Ukraine and Russia? Table that. All right, next one. Next, The next level is the terrestrial kingdom. Correct. Yeah, and, and the people that go there, it's, it's, go it's a it's a broad way. So oh, yeah. a lot of good moral people oh. would probably go there. So do I get to go here? You'll probably make it. Okay. So here's a breakdown of, of that. It's right. the good and honorable, but blinded by the craftiness of men. So pretty I don't much know I'm blinded by the craftiness of men. Am I? Mm. Uh, well, you're not, you're not part not of Mormon. the true church. So oh, that's true. all right, you're blinded. Blinded. So it looks by like the light. light. Revved up like a deuce in the middle of the night. There's a Blinded reason you don't lead worship. All right, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Corfield Theology, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes. It's where I sing. All right, next one. Uh, yeah, and then the next one is the Celestial Kingdom. This is the top top level. Top. That is the very top. Top okay, tier. How do I how do I get here? Now this is very. Uh, there, there. It's the narrow road. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of hurdles and things that you have to do to to obtain the celestial so level. we're talking about things you have to do yeah right some, so some when, works, when we're talking because you mentioned works righteousness earlier and i didn't stop you but i'm now we're getting into so some of that let me let me back up just one thing yeah yeah when people say are you going to be saved or salvation so like what you're pointing to mm-hmm. is everyone's going to be except for the art of darkness people mm-hmm. right uh, so, but to get to the highest level, there are many things you have to do. You have to be a part of the church. Mm-hmm. And so there's faith and, and repentance. You have to have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And in that process, it's a lifelong process. If, if you want to be saved to the celestial level, you have to go through and, uh, the good works, chastity, tithing to the church is required. Oh, wow. Uh, what words, if you miss a month? You have to Do make you, like, it up. Dip down to the. You're, I think you have make to make it up. it up. Okay, this is my understanding. Uh, and then there's you know the word of wisdom, and and then also at the very end you know 
when they when the Mormon missionaries come back from their trip, mm-hmm. and that's when they want to get married, mm-hmm. uh, in order to qualify to get in there, they have to get a temple marriage, and then they have to do their endowments and the baptism. Interesting. And then once they've done all that, and they've done all they could do, we'll get into the grace in a little bit that would allow them to But you got to continue to do the things in order to get to the celestial, right? Right. Top level. Yep. Wow. And then after all that you have done, you're saved by grace. After all of that, this gets us back to the theological. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we're talking about grace, right? Yeah, totally. Well, no, it's a a good lead up to talk about that because like you read Ephesians 2.8, you're just like, Hmm. huh? How does that fit? You're saved by grace alone. Through faith, through faith yeah. and not by works, so that no, no man, man shall boast. boast. Yeah. And, and they will they will agree with that, but then they will say, but you still need those works, like it says in James. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're very Catholic all of a sudden. Different systems, of course, but a very works righteousness focus in terms of mm-hmm. repairing your relationship with God, one, and for at least as it refers to Mormonism, it's like, the different layers or of heaven, right? Levels yeah. of heaven. In my experience when talking with uh, some Mormons is that when, when they hear our perspective, that it's a free gift, there's right. nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing I can do to be worthy of it. It's that God gave it as a free gift. When, when they hear that, it, it's hard for them to understand that. And they're right. like, well, then why don't I just... Live, you know, party hard and yeah. It's Romans six. Shall I go on sinning so that grace may, may abound? Paul's yeah. like, yeah, no, oh. no, Paul. By no, no means, Paul. Says, no, <laughs> Logan. Dang it. Go read your Bible. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, this is really important mm-hmm. because it gets into kind of the, you know, doc. If you if you create a system in such a way with 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 doctrine like this, you can literally control people, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's out of fear. And I'm not saying every Mormon's fearful. That's what I'm saying. But certainly, you can see how one can become fearful all of a sudden. Like, I have to do all these things. I need to progress. Not just fearful. I mean, it's 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 a heavy burden. Yes, yeah. yes. And it, and if and and I've heard that you know some some Mormons have had such guilt in fighting some sin that they have yeah. that they end up committing suicide over it. Yeah. Because they feel like they can't repent if they can't repent of it they're not going to obtain that celestial this feels very much i mentioned catholicism but also legalism in, in general mm-hmm. very there's there are sects within protestant christianity that would be in the fundamentalism world mm-hmm. where you have a very um, similar uh, flavor to it i guess i don't know what the right way to think about it but like it's very controlling and if you don't live up to the expectations oftentimes within fundamentalism it's unspoken expectations you're saved by grace. Now do all these things. Mm. Um, and it's not to say that we should not live in a manner worthy of the gospel. The, the question really becomes, like, how am I saved and how am I made right with God? Right. Do I have to do all the things? No, it is grace alone. And I got to say, I had a conversation with someone, and um, this was in the last two months. Um, he was a Mormon, and the Lord saved him. And, and, and we'll get into this in the next podcast. But the thing that he was just so... Um, astonished by is the grace of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like it was literally the grace of God that set him free from the bondage, from the weight mm-hmm. that was being put upon him um, through Mormon theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've just like with getting back to these particulars, like if you're a Mormon listening to this, when we're saying like you're saved by grace, 
Like I know in part you say that you believe the same thing, but we're right. saying when you are saved by grace, you are getting the fullness of heaven. Yeah. You're getting that full salvation. Yes. There's not anything else that you need to do to please God, to make right. him happy. And it's just grace. Yeah. It's just free grace. Cause like we're, uh, there's second Nephi, uh, 25, 23. It talks about, you know, after all that you could have done, then you have grace. And right, right. Rob's pulling up the exact quote because I was paraphrasing. Yeah, you want me to read it? Yes, yeah. please. I love it when you read. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> everyone, everyone loves you, Rob. Hey, it's well paced. It's clear. succinct. Clear. Yes. All right. So to Second Nephi twenty five twenty three. It says, "For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children, and also our brethren, to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know." That it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Mm. After all you can after do. After all we can do. That's key. That's Because you really have to reflect on your, like, have I done absolutely everything I could have done? Yeah. Because if you can say no, then there's no grace left. No. Because you haven't done all that you could do. And as, and as folks who are reformed, by the way, we can't add anything to our salvation either. So, right. So it's like God does all the work. Yeah. How much of it? All of it. One hundred percent. Did I do anything to regenerate my cold dead heart? No. Eh. Nope. Not at all. Well, did it, you have faith? Yes. Who gave it to you? God. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> oh. You know, it's in. That's another. Uh, you know, this works based faith. It it also is exemplified in their lifestyle. They have mm. a very strong work ethic. Oh, they do for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And in, if you were to ask them. You know, how would you feel if your your boss gave you a paycheck and said, here's my gift to you? Mm-hmm. You're like, no, no, that's not a gift. Yeah, keep going. That's, I earned that. Right. That's, that's, I deserve that. Yeah. And that's, some Mormons will actually hold to that and they'll say, yeah, I have to work to get my salvation. Mm-hmm. Other Mormons say, well, no, I, I don't work but I have to be worthy of it. And uh, so there's, it's it's basically saying the same thing in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and they're trying to do a workaround. Yeah. Yeah, it's conditional grace. Right. Where we're saying it's unconditional. Unconditional grace. So, go ahead. Oh, so there, there's, a, I think you have another verse that you're also going to talk about. Uh, I believe it's Moroni 1032. It's a Moroni? Moroni. Sorry, ten thirty two. That whole catechism I went through in the Mormon Church before, almost, you know, before I left. <laughs> I got, I got so the, close. I got the pronunciation. Hey, then. but because you didn't become a Mormon, you still get heaven. Yeah, yeah, baby. So I'm not an apostate because I actually never. Yeah. Actually got baptized. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're gonna be in the terrestrial, <sighs> which is still pretty great. Come on, I mean, man. I mean, if the telestial was. Worth committing suicide over. Think of how much greater the terrestrial kingdom would be. Oh, man. All right, next text. All right, so this is Moroni 10.32. And it says, Yea, come unto Christ, and Mm -hmm. be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then his grace, I'm sorry, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ, and if 
by the grace of God, ye are perfect in Christ, ye can in no, no wise deny the power of God. So in one sense, when we're in Christ, we are perfect in Christ, mm-hmm. like in a very deep theological sense, an Ephesians 1 sense. Mm-hmm. What that fails to account for, like we're in Christ, like Christ is the perfectness, mm-hmm. right? He is our righteousness, etc. What it fails to account for is the indwelling sin that we wrestle with. Right. Right. That text. Yeah. Correct. So correct. And so, yeah, Mormons or or Latter-day Saints, um, they, they will say, they, they agree with this and they say, Mm -hmm. yep, I am. And I am working on that. And so like our past sins, that's, that's what the grace of Jesus is going to cover is their past sins, but they have to work to improve and repent of their current and future sins. Now, as, as Christ- but it says, it says to rid yourself perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. deny yourselves of all ungodliness. Yeah. So what is ungodliness? And all, all the, it's all. all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I can't go a day doing that. No, I mean, on, on the one hand, as Christians, we work out our salvation with fear, fear and, and trembling. trembling. We are to walk in a manner worthy of Christ, walk mm. in a manner worthy of the gospel. Being conformed to the image of I Christ. I mean, my goodness, at Redemptional Church, we're going to be going, th- we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, when we get into, when we get past the Beatitudes, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> this is how you live. So we're not dismissing the need to conform our hearts and our lives into the image of our Savior. Mm-hmm. We fully endorse that. What we are saying is that when it comes to being saved, right, it is by grace alone. There's nothing you can do to actually obtain salvation. It is a yeah. work of God and God alone. Because once again, in this text, you see that grace comes after something Correct. you are doing. Yeah. You, you, did you know? Did you pick up on the if then statement? Yeah. yeah there was yeah. an if a clear if then. If you do this, then, then this will do. happen. Here's news: you will fail the if. Yeah. Well, won't make it. Yeah, and and they're like they're they're saying, well, that's why I have a lifelong process to continue to do the best I can do. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's what well, this is where the discrepancy comes between what it states in the Bible and in, in the Book of Mormon, uh, and and what they actually will vocalize and say to people right mm-hmm. you know they will say i'm going to do the best i can do i'm trying mm-hmm. i'm trying my best and that's where you know god's supposed to do the rest and i think these clear texts say it's not just trying your best like you got to be yeah. all you have to rid all ungodliness you have to be perfect and then there's grace yeah and in that in fact even some of their prophets like uh spencer kimball yeah wrote uh, a book uh, called The Miracle of Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And in there, he has an analogy uh, where he says, he's basically saying, trying and doing your best is weak. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. As, you have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. As the great philosopher, Sean Powers, Yoda oh. said, Don't be. Do, do. or do not. Oh. There is no try. Say it again. Do or do not. There is no, no try. try. You either are doing it or you're not. Mm. There is no trying. No, that's good. Well, I think we've adequately covered that one. Yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> but no, but it's an important one because how a person is made right with God is significant. Mm-hmm. And we are clearly in disagreement with uh, Mormonism. And it's really helpful theology. when we were talking to Mormons. They yeah. like 100% agreed that yeah, we were yeah. in disagreement. Again, <laughs> they were super intellectually honest. And as I said earlier, like they were the first Mormons I engaged with where they're like, yeah, we don't agree on that. <laughs> I'm like, good. We're just not explaining things away. All right, two more that you need to get to, guys. So, wh- what what do Mormons believe about the resurrection? You guys have any idea? 
Um, that one I don't have a lot of information on. Like, do they believe? So everyone, from what my understanding of it, everyone gets resurrected, including apostate Mormons. Okay. Um, only the Lucifer and his demons, they do not get a resurrected physical body. Uh, apostate Mormons get resurrected and everyone that goes into the terrestrial kingdom uh, and celestial kingdom and celestial kingdom, all of them get resurrected. Um, so it's a universal. Oh, so thing. Jesus is resurrected then. Uh, oh, and then oh, yeah. Jesus he's bodily. resurrection. Yeah. He, yeah he's, bodily. Yeah. And I would say, I would say he's in the celestial kingdom. Right. But, I hope so, man. But then again, I, I haven't. Yeah. He's risen to godhood. He's definitely in the celestial kingdom. But did he have a wife? And do they believe he had a wife and kids then? Yes. And that's yes. that's I'd have to I'd have to look into that. Believe in So this says, yes, members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, believe in the resurrection of all mankind, a literal physical glorifying resurrection that reunites the body and the spirit eternally. Uh, resurrected resurrected beings are no longer subject to death and decay. Um, here's what gets into Jesus. For some people, the concept of resurrection seems inconceivable or difficult to accept. For this reason, Jesus went to great lengths to explain and demonstrate the resurrection to his apostles and hence to humanity. So they do have a concept of resurrection, right? So there's clearly not a full agreement in terms of theological continuity, but there's going to be distinctions here about their view of the resurrection. I'm sure they're reading 1 Corinthians 15 and saying it was really important. Um, the, the, the distinguishing factor is here. We believe the Son of Man, Son of God, rose from the grave, and they and we talked about the deity of Christ, and they clearly wouldn't hold to that. And so, um, yes, they believe in resurrection. Uh, what is this quote here? I know a man uh, in Christ who was caught up in the third heaven, Second Corinthians twelve two. So they have a concept of that. So if we're just being fair, like we want to be fair with their theology the best we can. Mm. It's clear that there are some patterns that map on to Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, they also believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So yeah, his crucifixion as well. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so but they believe that uh, our sins were atoned for in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, and so I think that is a massive distinction about the the power and importance of the cross. Because we we're going to get to that next. So let's just get there now. That what does atonement look like? What does forgiveness look like? Well, and, and we're talking about uh, a works-based faith, right? Right. That they've got to earn their way. If you have any bit of sin, what is your wage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does it say in the Bible? Death. Your wages of sin is death. Yeah. And and so that's... And when, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? What was the last thing he said? He it said, is it fi- is finished. It is finished, yeah. So he, he paid the debt. Mm-hmm. So even though we're still in our sins, mm-hmm. he is paying for it. So if we were in a, a court of law and a judge and saying, you murdered five people, right? your, your it, wage Sean. you earned is the death penalty. Mm-hmm. But someone came in and paid your way, paid your fine, and was able to basically set you free. Right. Even though you're still... A murderer in that sense right, right. Uh, and so that's that's the awesomeness about what christ did for us yeah is yeah. that we get this free gift by believing in him right it's and, faith. Uh, yeah yeah and, and again, versus mormon theology where you're already saved but now you have to do all this extra stuff right 
um, for the Celestial Kingdom. Right. There's three, and I keep getting them mixed up. That's so right. Celestial and Terrestrial are the hardest. We forgive you, man. Because that's the Christian thing. Mm. <laughs> All right. I'm going to land this plane. We're about an hour or four into this one. And um, there's a lot more we could say about theology, but we're just trying to whet your appetite to uh, be thinking well about what do Mormons believe when that door comes knocking? Uh, don't shut off the lights. That's my encouragement. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> be willing to engage. I want to add to that real quick. Like, we're called by Jesus Christ to, to evangelize and yeah. to talk to people and to share our faith. And Mormons are coming to the door for us. Yeah. Don't push them away. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in this next podcast. Um, so I'm going to land the plane here just so you guys know and the listeners can expect. We're going to do another podcast, probably be shorter than this one, on um, Mormon culture, the things that we've learned about Mormon culture, mm-hmm. and why, how their theology infects how they li- in, impacts how they live. And then also, how do we help people, how do we encourage people to interact with Mormons, um, whether it's your coworker, someone knocking at your door or whatever. Fair enough? Yeah. yeah. All right. So everyone, thanks for listening. Um, I don't know when that podcast will drop, but it'll be shortly after shortly after this drops. Um, we hope it's a blessing to you and it's helping you think well, not only about Orthodox Christianity, but things that are going on in the world um, in particular, as it relates to this particular podcast about Mormons, what they believe and why it's significant for you to know what they believe, at least on some level, so that you can interact with them um, for the glory of God. You never know when grace might break in and God will use you um, to be to speak truth into um, a Mormon friend. Well, that's it for now. Thanks everyone for listening. God bless and peace out. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.